And so when they beat Detroit in Detroit, I want to say it was the second or third game left in the season, and it left with Ozzy giving the choke sign to the Indians fans out on the dugout, which is like my one of my favorite moments because how many times do you see a, a, a head coach a in baseball <laughs> giving shit to like the fans? It's, like the, it's almost like the throat slash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the 68th episode of According to Alan. I am your host, Alan Moskowski, and we are recording live from the local 2 and 9 studios. Today, I'm in downtown Crown Point. Um, to, uh, I have a special guest um, with me, and if you are a avid listener for a long time, you know this person. He is, goes by the nickname of Angry. <laughs> He's an avid Lori Markkinen super fan. And he loves himself some Jay Cutler, Adam Anderson. Uh, welcome to the podcast. And thanks for having me. Is this your third appearance? Yeah, third. Big number three. <laughs> How's it feel so far? Great, you know? Okay. Well, he's a man of many words. Um, this is a new podcast for you because you do not know that we have a sponsorship until today. Right? Correct. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Crown Brewing. They hook us up with beer every Sunday for these podcasts. And it's a lot of fun. Today we're drinking the Buster the Cat. And you just took a sip. Adam, what are you thinking? Quite tasty. You know, I'm a big pale ale guy. Yep. Okay. I have not had my sip yet. I'm going to go for it. Oh, dude, that's a full mouthfeel for sure. Yeah. 19 of 48. It says limited release there. There's a little bit of a uh, fruitier hop in it. It's not as much floral as it is fruity. Yeah, it's not a New England style, but it's definitely tasty. Well, Steve over there is a traditionalist when it comes to brewing, and so he's a big fan of, like, the clearer the beer, the better, um, which I think most brewers are, except for, uh, you know, there's, like, that trend of the hazy yeah. that's coming out. And hazy so and juicy. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're a big fan of that trend. Um, I like the New England and the milkshakes, yeah, pretty good. Uh, I'm more of a pale ale guy, but I don't do too much of the like stouts, porters, and stuff like that. It just depends. I, like, if I drink beer, it's usually only a couple beers at a time. But, That's not true. Um, you you we've both binge drank together. Oh, I mean, yeah, every now and then. But if you're binge drinking, you're not gonna sit there and drink like. 500 windmill yeah, beers? Yeah, yeah, it's not happening. Well, you can. It's just going to make you miserable next day for you. But, yeah, I prefer, you know, the pale ales. But, yeah, like you said, the New England style or the milkshakes. That's okay. what I'm into right now. So one of the reasons I'm glad you're on is because you're a big basketball guy. And the finals are happening right now, which is really intense. And we're at a, as of the broadcast tonight, and this is Sunday, this is June 9th, the Raptors are up 3-1. Do you see them closing out that series? I hope so. Whether they do or not is a different story. I think a lot of it depends on uh, how healthy the Warriors are uh, going forward. But, I mean, Kawhi has uh, surprised me, to say the least. Well, that's been the big thing, right, is that he's really proven himself. And a lot of the media like, kind of crowned him at least in the offseason when the trade happened, as like a top three player in the NBA. And I think that was a little bit unproven until now, right? You can make the argument that he might be the best player in the NBA. 
He's definitely in the conversation. I don't know if going into the season he was looked at as top three. I mean, you got to figure you got LeBron, Durant, Steph, Harden, Giannis. Well, I think Steph has taken a step down because of his, because how much KD has kind of dominated the ball, and people are like quick to forget his MVP seasons. But I was I feel like every time I saw Kawhi Leonard's name mentioned in the offseason, it was mainly about how great he was as a player and how he could be one of the top three players in the NBA. Well, I think you and I were talking about it earlier, or I mentioned it to you. Kawhi sat out last year, so I didn't really see him as much. And now that he's actually playing in the finals and getting more publicity, you see he's like, like I told you, he's like a poor, I don't want to say poor man's LeBron because I think he's like right up there with LeBron. He's not as good a facilitator, but he's a, I think he's a more efficient scorer, um, better defender. At this point in his career, anyway. Well, you mentioned that when we were at lunch today, and, and I, I, it definitely does resonate. I think the the thing about LeBron, and like now we're starting to get toward the twilight of his career, and we're, so we can kind of talk about his prime in retrospect at this point. What made him separate between the greats and like the other players was his ability to go downhill towards the basket. Essentially, he was bigger, stronger, faster than everybody, and then he got the calls on top of it. He- he was bullying guys. He basically. was bullying the shit out of and people. I see a little bit of that with Kawhi, but he's oh, got yeah. he's got more skill, I think, than LeBron. Um, as far as scoring goes, like, he doesn't. He's get got his a downhill as fast. He's got a jumper, but when I look at him, like on screen, like on TV, he his his body type is LeBron, right? You know, you're looking at someone that looks bigger and stronger than everybody else that's on the floor, basically. Do we know how tall Kawhi is at this point? I couldn't tell you offhand. I would guess six seven. Yeah, I mean, I think he's in that ballpark for sure. Six seven, six eight, something like that. I think the the things that surprises me about watching Kawhi Leonard on an everyday basis, and I saw him in San Antonio, but like you said, that years might as well have been five years mm-hmm. in today's world, right? Right. And so to see him kind of do that pick and roll, that top that that top level screen with Ibaka and Gasol, to where one of them shades his his defender, he rolls off of that at the top of the key and hits that jumper. That's a guaranteed two. Every time they do that, they're getting two points. Yeah, he's much more efficient than LeBron is at scoring the basketball, I think. Like, I mean, LeBron was getting to the line. Like you said, he was going downhill. He was drawing fouls. He was getting to the line. But um, also the emergence of uh, Pascal uh, Siakam. I don't, yeah. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce his name. But. Well, Siakam <laughs> is 43, right? Or 40, yeah, something like that. I don't know. He's legit. <laughs> Well, he's from, where's he from? He's from Africa, isn't he? Like, he's from, like, South Africa? Yeah, he went to, I, I'm trying to think of what college he went to. I don't even remember off the top of my head. Like, I didn't even know who he was until they were playing, mm-hmm. Toronto was playing um, Philadelphia, and a guy at work, uh, he's a big hooper, but he mentioned his name, and I was like, Siakam. He said Pascal, and I'm like, who's that, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, what was it, game one, he, game one, he had 30, went off. 30-something. I think he's he's been good. Um, I'd say the if it's not Kawhi right now, the power between the Raptors is that it's Kawhi is kind of like the staple, but it's those secondary guys that are chipping in for big games. Ibaka's game four was huge. Uh, Danny Green had games two and three that were crazy. Yeah, that was a big. And Siakam's game one, which was awesome too. So I mean, it's been a great series to watch, and you know they they say that it's never. It's never a series until the home team loses. 
And so to see Toronto lose game two at home and to see the Raptors go back to Golden State and sweep them out of there, it's intense, man. And the injuries and whatnot are one thing, but at the end of the day, they've got to play who they're playing against. I'd love to have seen a full squad of the Warriors go against this Raptors team, but unfortunately we'll never get that. Hopefully by the end of the series. I, I, I didn't realize how much I disliked DeMarcus Cousins until this. Like, fuck him. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, he's not a, he's not a guy you want to like, right? You know? And I think he's okay with he's it. Yeah, he is okay with it. He's totally okay with it. But, he, I mean, he's a solid player. Like, he's a big man. He can run the floor. He can handle the ball a little bit. He can pass. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's going to score on board. Um, coming off a big injury this year. I mean, it took him a while to come back, but. I'm curious to see what he does next year. Like, you know, the free agent market this year is going to be crazy. You know, you got Kyrie, Durant. Curious to see what happens with Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler. You know, there's plenty of guys. You don't know where any of them are going. D'Angelo Russell. So do you want to play where do they go and put us on record of, like, where these people end up? Hey, let's shoot. Okay, (laughs) so let's start off with Kawhi Leonard. Where's he going? Okay, Kawhi Leonard if they win the championship or if they lose? Both. Staying in Toronto. <laughs> on both or win or lose? I'm just going to stay with a hard uh, Toronto. Me too. I don't, think he, I don't think you can leave there. And I don't think you can undersell the fact that he could be the biggest player in a country. Yeah, especially if right? you come, even if they were to get swept the rest of the series, you know, and lose, lose the finals being up 3 Because they'd have to lose three straight games yeah, at this point. Yeah, that's what right? I'm saying. So even if they lost all three, like you come within a, within a game, I think you got to go back and you got to try to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so uh, we both are in agreement with Leonard going, staying with the Raptors. Jimmy Butler, where's he going? That's a tough one. I think he's going to the West Coast. I think he likes L.A. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Lakers. Really? So yeah. you're going to get I'm gonna throw Butler, LeBron in on the same squad. Yeah. I'm gonna Is there any free other free agent follow them? Not a big name. I don't think like Dur- you're not going to see Durant or Kyrie going there if Butler's going there. Anthony Davis. Anthony Staying Davis. In New Orleans. Well, from what I've heard, he's narrowed it down to three teams he wants to go to, and that was the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Knicks. I don't know. I'm, that's a tough one. What do you think about that one? I think LeBron's party. This is what's crazy. We talked a little bit off air. I cannot wait for this LeBron era to end. And, and, and that's part of the reason is because LeBron James has gone an entire career without demanding a trade on a, on a team. And then his representation represents another superstar and all of a sudden is making demanding trades. And the fact that these guys don't see that drives me insane. You know, like if it was LeBron James, LeBron James would never put himself in that situation to have an entire city hate him while he's still there. He clearly broke up with an entire city. And, that, and then he on the, national the, TV. The last game he wears a "That's All, Folks" T-shirt to the stadium. Right, right. <laughs> like he's over being there. That's a bullshit move on so many fronts, and it's amazing that LeBron's representation would allow that to happen. But the only reason why they would let, allow that to happen is because at that point it was L.A. Lakers or bust. Yeah. Right. And so that's what fucking drives me insane about this dude. And, and then New Orleans gets the first pick of the draft. And now they're trying to talk to him and see if he'll stay. 
Yeah, well, David Griffin took over, right? And so that's a big deal, at least for some NBA people. Not for me. I think AD, if Butler goes to L.A., I don't think they, they can't pay all these guys, right? I don't know what the Lakers cap room is at this point. I know they got a lot of rookie contracts. Like you got Brandon Ingram on a rookie contract. Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, which I heard there's a possibility of the Bulls being trying to pursue him. Which of course they would. Anything that's a horrible decision, they're going to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't be on board with that. No. I mean, he might fit, but like that's not going to be the guy that's going to put you over the top. No. The NBA is, to me, very basic. You need a guy who can put the ball in the hoop at will. That's what you need. You need, you need that guy. And there's certain guys on the Bulls, like we talked about Laurie. We talked about Zach Levine. Um, and there's a lot of those guys in the NBA that can do it five, six times a year, right? But at the end of the day, you need a guy who can do it 60 times a year. Well, you know, let's get this straight. Zach Levine puts the ball in the basket quite a bit. He's awesome. I'm not a bit. I think he's like a high volume guy. I'm not a. I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong. But Hell I think, yeah, he is. I think there's guys I'd much rather have at that position. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a big Lowry fan. Everyone knows that. Now. If you've listened to me on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know like, you're a big I'm a big fan. Lowry marketing fan. Yep. Um, but they, let's let's be real. They need a point guard. They need they need some bench players. Um, I've heard they might pursue Terry Rozier or uh, Patrick Beverly. Both of those guys would be good fits. I'd be okay with either one. I'm Curi- more so Rozier. Yeah, curious to see where they go in the draft with a seventh pick. I mean, you kind of missed out there. Like I don't know what they were doing. You know. <laughs> they should have been tanking from day one last well, year. Well, you know, that's classic Bulls. Instead of tanking, you got to trade for Otto Porter and make yourself competitive for 10, 15 games before you bench everybody. <laughs> and then you got Robin Lopez, who they could wave, cut him, let him go to a contender and compete. And he wins you a couple games on his own, like just because that's what He's Rob- a Robin Lopez does. He's a you know, he's hard yeah, nosed. Yeah. He's going to go compete. I mean, I like him. He's He's a good piece, but not for a team that's like. You know, trying to get the worst record in the league. You know what I mean? He's not that guy. On paper, this Bulls team should be at least a playoff team, even at the eight seed. But then you got you got a real shift coming in the East that I don't think people are ready for. Well, not to mention they fire Hoiberg. What like a third of the way in the season, if that? Yeah. They bring in uh, McBarks a lot. I don't even know his name. Luckily, <laughs> Boylan. Boylan. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah. Boylan, but <laughs> that's a guy I work with. <laughs> yeah, Jim Boylan, dude. And then you extend him. Yeah. After a shitty ass. After a mutiny. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, and I'm not a big White Sox fan. I know you are, but these Reinsdorf front organizations are just mediocre. It's that's what joke. that's what it is. It's medi- mediocrity at at its finest, right there. You know when the Reinsdorf organization is at their best, it's when they get rid of every veteran, they break it down to its like core pieces, they draft decently well, and they let that happen. That's the that's the only chance you have is if you're if you're a fan of a Reinsdorf team, because that 2005 White Sox team was great. No expectations going into the season. They, the, the biggest deal they made heading into it was getting Sweaty Freddy. 
And and Scott Pitsednik was kind of a throwaway with Milwaukee. You had 70 stolen bases or whatever the hell he had the year before. But a lot of that was homegrown talent, you know. Um, they got El Duque, which from, from the Yankees, and Contreras. So those two things were big. But that was kind of add-ins to the core of what the Pierzynski trade, that was a big one, right, because he's probably been the best catcher in the history of the Chicago White Sox. I know that's a hot take for a lot of White Sox fans whoa, because whoa, Carlton whoa, Fisk. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I'm not a White Sox fan. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> dude, I, I don't know if any White Sox fans listening right now can say that A.J. Pruszynski did not have a bigger impact on, the, on a White Sox club more than Carlton Fisk did. Man. Fisk didn't even use the White Sox logo to get into the Hall of Fame. That's a nod. That's a, that's, that's a knock down the belt. True, but what about Ron Karkovice? <laughs> 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 Those are like the only other two catchers I know from the White Sox, by <laughs> yeah. the way. What about Mike Lavalier? Nothing? Spanky? Giovanni Soto? <laughs> he brief, was a White Sox His brief coach. stint. He was, dude. You know what drove me crazy about Giovanni Soto is why do you have to throw the, back, the ball back to the pitcher on his knees every time? What's a flash that cannon? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Um but yeah, and so like when it comes to the Bulls, that it's the same kind of component. They got lucky with Derrick Rose. They had a young nucleus around him, and like the Luol Dang, the Joakim Noahs, and that were really good around building around him. And so they were able to kind of build that. That is not neither organization are organizations that are able to build without that component. Yeah, it's all homegrown. They they can't they can't attract free agents, and I don't know if that's just word of mouth. Throughout the league, like I'm sure it is, because how many times did the Bulls have the opportunity to go out and get a big name and they couldn't? They couldn't land them. Yeah, they just couldn't do it. And like you said, you had Joe Kim Noah, who who thought he was going to be what he was when he came out. He was legit, and I hated him. Like yeah, I we all did. And he became one of my favorite players. He far exceeded my. He was AJ Pruszynski for the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, pretty he was. much. Yep. AJ Pruszynski taking blows from Michael Barrett. (laughs) (laughs) That was a cheap shot, and we all know it. Yeah, but it was cool. (laughs) I guess Pruszynski is supposed to be commentating on the Cubs side in this next Cubs Sox series. Oh, really? Yeah, he's supposed to be in the booth. Wow. I mean, I enjoy listening to him. I've I've seen him uh, listen to some of the analysis on ESPN. I think he's good. Oh, man, he's the man. Yeah, he's good. I love that dude. One of my buddies, actually, his... uh, one of his ex-girlfriends used to babysit for A.J. Pruszynski and Joe Creedy. No way. So he's ha- actually ate, ate at his house and stuff, you know. That's cool. Drove his Range Rover and That's stuff. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you look at that Sox team. I mean, it's Creedy at third base, homegrown. Juan Uribe, not homegrown. Tadahito Aguchi, not, uh, not homegrown. Um, obviously, he's from Japan. Paul Canerico, homegrown. A.J. Pruszynski signed as a free agent from San Francisco after kneeling. Was he, but he knee the, the, the doctor in the nuts during a mound visit? Is that what he did for the Giants and got knocked out of there? Classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, left field, uh, I think you had who, – who was playing left on those teams? I know you had Rowan in center, Die in right. So it had to be Pitsednik. Yeah, Scotty Pods. Yeah. Um, crazy team, man. Who was Carl Everett was DH. They have Dwayne Wise. Was he on that team? Or? No, that was, was afterward. After. Yeah, you had at that point Willie Harris was the Dwayne Wise. I had a conversation about that 2005 White Sox team with uh, one of my buddies, a huge White Sox fan. Okay, 
I know where this you, is going already. Would you consider that run they had in 2005 luck? No. I mean, you have what? Four complete games out of starters? In the ALCS. In the ALCS? Yep. Like, how many times have you seen that? Never, right? No. So you wouldn't consider that, like, lucky? I think that every sport, no matter what profession it is, deals with momentum swings. I think that White Sox team in particular was in a wave of a momentum swing that a lot of teams were going to get eaten up in. So you had, if you remember that year in particular, by the All-Star break, they had the best record in baseball. Uh, they, they were about, I think, 16 games up at the All-Star break and then just started to shit the bed, right? Yeah. So they were starting to lose down. It, get, it got down to the last weekend of the regular season, of whether or not they were going to clinch, right? And so when they beat Detroit in Detroit, I want to say it was the second or third game left in the season, and it left with Ozzy giving the choke sign to the Indians fans out on the dugout, which is like my one of my favorite moments because how many times do you see a, a, a head coach Opposing in baseball manager. giving <laughs> shit to like the fans? It's, like the, it's almost like the throat slash. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't happen. And so to see that, and then like as soon as they like finally got that weight off their shoulders of actually clinching the division, they just started the roll. So... They had some big momentum sw- swings in uh, that first round against Boston. Um, Graffinino had the ground ball go between his legs. Aguchi had a, th- a three-run bomb, two or three-run bomb. I don't remember exactly. Um, El Duque, the game-clinching game, came in, bases loaded, no outs, got out of the inning with no run scored. That was huge. And then, of course, obviously, the drop third strike with Brzezinski, game two, because they lost game one against the Angels, the only game they lost in that playoff run. And... Uh, Ended up rallying back to just destroy the next four, so that was a huge momentum swing. And didn't Jeff Blum have a big hit in some huge. point? Yeah, huge. Bloom, Blum, Bloom. So I want to say that's another one of those words. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking black sheep earlier, and the difference between roads and roads. R- roads, roads, <laughs> limit, limit, limit. So really great. Same thing with like you got to like the Cubs championship in in sixteen, is you know. You start to look at it, and there's a lot of ups and downs, right? And then it comes down to, like, they just they got destroyed in Chicago, right? Yep. And then Rajay Davis hits that two-run bomb to tie it up, which could have been just the end of the which is crazy to think about in the 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 just the, the event itself and how much it meant and the momentum in, of that situation. And then for them to come back, have the rain delay, which is probably a sign of from God in all seriousness. And then the one thing Jason Hayward has done in his contract is is been able to talk the Cubs out of not folding. At least that's the way the story's going, right? The narrative's been written. Take that World Series, you know? Hell yeah. And he's worth every penny for that alone, even though he sucks. And he hasn't been that bad this year. I have to look at his yeah, numbers. I keep hearing, I keep he's hearing been everyone tell me how, how not bad Jason Hayward is. I mean, but. obviously you want him to produce – more his power numbers are obviously lacking. But so true or false? He's the reason why you can't sign any other free agents right now. Well, I mean, they just got Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, but why didn't they do it in the off season? And then why weren't you, they in on you Bryce Harper? Know. Why weren't they in on Bryce Harper? But do you really want Bryce Harper? Yeah, he's leading the, the 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 Phillies are leading the NL East. The Phillies are leading the NL East. What are Bryce Harper, Harper's numbers? Well, I can look, look it up. Let's while look we're these doing up. That. Yeah. yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, what did he hit last year? Two forty or some shit. 
Yeah, but you know, I mean, the guy is just a—he's a game changer. Don't get in your me lineup. wrong. When, yeah, don't get me wrong. When I when we were playing the Nationals in the playoffs, when he came to bat, I was definitely like worried every time he came up, regardless of Remember the situation. Remember that weekend that he had against the Cubs, where it ended his entire like hot streak, where the Madden walked him nine out of ten times intentionally. It was during a regular season game. Regular yeah, season I do games. remember that. That was that was that was great. Um, has there ever been a more overrated manager than Joel Madden? You want to know what's funny is me and my buddies. We like I've said this before, probably I don't know on the, on the podcast, but we have a group chat. Everyone talks about talk shit about the Cubs and Sox. And at the start of the season, we're like talking about like. How if the Cubs they started off slow, you know, we're like if they keep going or how how soon is Madden gonna be gone? Everyone's like, Yeah, I think it's time for him to go, blah blah blah. Now they're back in first place. No one has said a word about him. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Winning cures everything. And it does until you get to the playoffs and every decision matters. Don't get me wrong, I I do question some of his pitching decisions, but there's a reason he's managing the Cubs and I'm not, so Yeah. Batting well two, that's not fun to be literal. He's batting uh two fifty one right now. Yep. How many bombs? We got to be in the twelve to fifteen. Uh, he's got forty-four get. ribbies. Yep. Before the All-Star break. So where are we at? Twelve to fifteen homers. He's got to be in that range. I, I'm trying to find it. I'm not the best uh, at looking up stats. You don't know what the home run category looks like on your phone? Let me just. There we go. <laughs> no, it's. I got hits, runs, games played, at-bats. That's crazy. What are you looking at, ESPN? I don't even know what this is. Baseball reference is the move. Baseball reference, huh? Here we go. Baseballreference.com. Okay, nice. 11 home runs. So, okay, so he's on the low end average, of where he should be. Yeah, 60 hits. No. I mean, but that, really, if you look at his career stats, what? let's see. What Here's his career. 277 average. Mm-hmm. 195 homers. He's a more power George Brett. But it and plays didn't, a, and ju- plays a outfield didn't George Brett have hit for a better average, though? Yeah, George Brett flirted with 400 a couple years. Yeah. See, I mean, like, if you think about it, like, I'm looking at this right now. His highest average. He definitely hit 300, I would say, if I were to guess. In 2015. His MVP year, he had to be over 300. He hit. 330. Yeah. Other than that, here we go. Mm-hmm. 251. Okay. Th- this year. Two, th- and I'm going backwards. So two, fo- 251, 249, 319, 243, 330, three, 273, 274, 270. So he's like a career 270 hitter. Yeah. Basically. You know what? I, don't, I, I agree with a couple <clears throat> things here. I don't think I'd give Bryce Harper that money just because of he's not Miguel Cabrera's <clears throat> prime. And I think that's who deserves that kind of money. And so it, without, with, I think there's only really one person in baseball that's consistent enough to deserve that type of money, and that's probably Mike Trout. Other than that, what? I've got something for you. Oh, here we go. Let me see here. Are you going to be an anti-Mike Trout post right I'm, now? I, I like Mike Trout, but. You're going to anti him right now. Let's see here. Let's see what I got here. Mike Trout. I was Someone. One of my friends showed, uh, sent this to me. It's a uh, Mike Trout uh, compared to Anthony Rizzo's stats. Oh, get the fuck out of here! 
over their career. Okay. How many seasons? Exact same seasons? Exact same amount okay. of at-bats and seasons. July 8th, 2011 is when Trout's career started. Okay. July 9th, 2011 is when Rizzo's career started. Okay, so we're talking about the exact same time Basically, frame, the yeah. exact same day. Okay. Home runs, Mike Trout, 254. Anthony Rizzo, 207. So Mike Trout's got the edge. Almost by 50. RBI's, 685 for Trout. Rizzo, 678. So he's got them by like 13. Or no, eight of them. And let's be, let's be straight here. My uh, math Mike, is terrible. Mike Trout, Mike Trout literally has been batting like leadoff in sight two hole for the Angels for okay. ever. Doubles, 238 for Trout, 243 for Rizzo. Okay. Gold gloves, zero for Trout, two for Rizzo. But I'm not saying that you can compare Rizzo to wait Trout. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're saying Mike Trout's never won a gold glove. That's what this says. No way. Let's look it Come up. Come on, dude. He's been robbing home anyways, runs forever, dude. Anyways. But you're looking at the amount of money that Mike Trout's getting compared to Rizzo, four hundred million. I don't know what Rizzo's making, but he's in. well. He's still on his. He's still on like a cheap contract. How how does Mike Trout not win a Gold Glove? Is that right? Was that correct? Because one of my buddies sent me that. It could be. It could be oh total, boy! It could be total Here bullshit. Go. Here we go. Um. I don't know, man. No, he doesn't have a gold glove. Just popped up. So he's the two-time AL MVP. He's the AL Rookie of the Year, five-time Silver Slugger, two All-Star Game MVPs. And it's no, he's not won a gold glove. How crazy is that? That's fucked up. I had no idea. Because he's been pretty stout in center field, and I've seen him play a home game at, at in Anaheim. Uh, really awesome to see how much the fans get behind him, even though there was it was scattered, but it was a... It was a midweek game, so I can't get the the Angel fans too much shit on that one. But it was more, it was more of like a White Sox crowd than a Cubs crowd. I'm just really shocked that that would be the case, because I wonder how many center fielders. Well, Kevin Pillar in in Toronto is a fucking well now not in Toronto. He's in San Francisco. He's a stout center fielder, man. So I guess you know what? And who's that? Is it is it? Kevin Kiermeyer from Tampa Bay that probably won some. Oh, he's legit. That dude's fucking winning them all the time, too. So I guess there is a little bit of competition in the AL for center field. It's fucked up, though. I would never would have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed that either. So the gold glove has gone by, like, position in the outfield. Like, a right fielder gets it. It's not just three outfielders that get it, right? It might be. That's It might be, dude. You know, that's what I'm not. I wasn't sure. So, I mean, uh, I don't know how to do enough dead air time here to not let that happen. Mookie Betts has got to have one, right? Who has won the gold glove for outfielders in the AL? And here's Google. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should have just spelled it out. (laughs) (laughs) Just just save more time. Um, American League winners. Here we go. I don't know, dude. Okay, it goes back to 61 or whatever. Here we go. Okay, I'm right there. So, last year, the three players that won the... Okay, so it looks like right field, center field, left field. Okay. You got Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley, and Alex Gordon. Those are your three gold glove winners of the year. Alex Gordon last year? Dude, Alex Gordon is like... He gets a lot of love in left field. For whatever reason. He was a former third baseman. I don't really get it. 
So, going to 2017, we've got Mookie Betts in right. So, that's a, he's a two-time Gold Glove winner. Byron Buxton from Minnesota won the center field. And then Alex Gordon won again in left field. You're shaking your head now. I don't watch a lot of Alex Gordon, but, I mean... I guess he makes all the routine plays. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, oh, wow. 2016. Here we go. Which I would never put this guy on the list ever in my life because he throws about as good as my one-year-old daughter. That's Brett Gardner in left field. Won the gold glove, which <laughs> makes Gardner. no sense. Kevin Kiermeyer in center field. Mookie Betts in right field. So he's won three straight gold gloves at this point. Well, then you, you gotta, go. You got to think Mookie Betts is going to get paid. Oh, yeah, big time. I see him in Boston in two weeks. Oh, nice. I'm excited. Yeah. June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, I will be in Boston have seeing they, my White Sox. Have they started to turn things around? I know they started out pretty shitty there. Sales last seven starts, she's been back on pace. So okay. that, and that's the linchpin, you know. Um, 15, you got Cole Calhoun in right field, which is a, a, a trout teammate. <laughs> which doesn't win the Colt Club, which makes no sense. Kevin Kiermeyer in center field. Ioannis Suspedes in left field, which he had his good years with Detroit in that time. And then um, 14, dude, Alex Gordon is fucking... What? It keeps going. Okay, so Alex Gordon, dude. Alex Gordon's one... He's like the best the, left fielder of just, all time. Yeah, is that what you're what saying? It sounds like. So in 18, left field, he won it. 17, he won it. 16, he didn't win it because it went to Brent Gardner for whatever God knows what reason that is. You went to Suspedes in 15. Then it's Gordon in 14. Gordon in 13. Gordon in 12. Gordon in 11. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see if it keeps going. Franklin Gutierrez won it in 2010. Who the fuck is that? You're just as good as mine, dude. Okay. That's crazy. Alex Gordon's got seven of them. Is that right? Or six? So Alex Gordon has one, two, three, four, five, six. This is bullshit, right? Like, I mean, and you can't even, can you recall one Alex Gordon defensive play? Like I said, he <laughs> makes all the routine plays, you know? And he's a former third baseman. He's supposed to be like the next the next George Like Brett. when you see like Sports Center top ten, you never it's never Alex Gordon. Ever, right? I mean I can't remember that. You know what if we're on Sports Center and we're on ESPN, I'd love I can rant about that for a little bit if you want me to. Yeah, let's hear it. So when I was younger Right, and I'm not going to be like this traditionalist that that kicks it back, but it was very clear that they at least knew their fucking role. Right? Oh, I was going to say you used to walk uphill in the snow. No, both ways of school. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it was like okay, so it was the three major sports: it was baseball, basketball, football. Hockey was sprinkled in. Now you get to ESPN, and it's wrestling, and it's celebrities, and it's fucking all this dumb bullshit golf that tends to take like a, a certain precedent over like the certain programming of what they're doing and that drives me insane for the biggest reason is is the top 10 you watch the top 10 right now 
It's like three lacrosse plays. It's like three plays that are from high school fucking somewhere that I didn't even know even existed. Maybe even junior high. It's like, dude, I, I honestly, that's cool to see, but I don't care. Are you, do you feel the same way or no? I do. I do. I want to see legit pro athletes, you know, making these plays. I mean, it's not even so much the pro athletes, but I want to see, like, stuff that actually matters. Like like you said, if you had a camera on every single high school game or some uh, dog show mm-hmm. that's going on, right you know, right now. Some dog's doing something nasty. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> you know, and who gives a fuck about that dog? <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. But, uh, yeah, like, it's got to be a, meaningful. You put, you, put a, you put a camera on my dog 24 hours a day. Something, cool, something cool is going to happen. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't need to see it on my top 10. So, like, lacrosse in particular, it's not even like a real fucking sport. Awesome sport. Awesome sport. I would love to have played it, but if you're not in, if you're not like a legitimate sport for the high school regulations of what that is, fuck off. I, I'm right? not gonna knock lacrosse. No, I'm not. I, I, I don't believe what lacrosse I said was knocked at. Lacrosse. You said it's not a real sport. It's not. Rugby it's isn't a, either. Lacrosse is Rugby a legit is sport. No, it's and not. I'm not just saying that because my cousin. Plays it <laughs> according to the IHSA in Indiana. It's a club but sport. But if you go somewhere else, like you go out east, that's mm-hmm. big time. Sure, you go out to Denver. It's big sure. time in Denver. Oh, yeah. But my cousin, like I said, my cousin's big time in lacrosse. I can't knock it. He's doing great. He's gonna be a junior next year. I saw him playing catch in uh, your front yard during uh, Ellie's bir- Ellie and Miles' birthday party yeah. at your house. He's legit. He's legit. He He's looked gonna- like he was good. No, he is good. But he's it's a, big a club kid. sport. He's a big kid. Well, not over. He's a. It's a. He's IH, at Lincoln Way, right? Uh, Lincoln Way East. He's mm-hmm. going to be a junior next year. Shout out to Ethan Sieb. He's <laughs> <laughs> nice. Go check him out. He's got a highlight highlight tape on YouTube. Oh, I'm sure it's on but, um, all over Sports Center top ten. Yeah, maybe after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's legit. He plays travel ball. He's been into it. He's been into it for about, man, I want to say like six years, seven years now, but. Uh, like you said, Indiana, it's not IHSAA sanctioned, but uh, over in Illinois, I believe it is. Um, I don't think it's there either. I think it is. Okay. Well, I'd, but I'd be willing to go Regardless, yeah. you know, I think it's a legit sport. Um, it for sure is well, a legit sport. Well, it's like hockey's sport. not IHSAA sanctioned. No, legit sport. But um, there's just not enough involvement. It kind of depends where you're at. Like, that's... That's big time out east. Like, obviously, the Midwest is just now catching on to it. I mean, it's cool sport, like you said. I would have probably played it. Like, I would love to in play the it. spring if they yeah. had it. But fuck yeah, we were stuck to like track and baseball. Oh man, yeah, baseball. <laughs> no. Speaking of baseball, how about the two one nine injection of Major League Baseball that's going on? Dude? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, obviously. I don't know a ton of the guys, but you're more familiar with it than I am. But shout out to Cody Hosey. I, oh, yeah. play, I used to play wiffle ball back in his backyard <laughs> with him, you know. I'm that probably, meant the world to him, Yeah, sure. I probably made him what he is today. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 25th draft pick for the Dodgers. That's pretty crazy. And then uh, Plesak making his major league debut. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time for me being in. So, like, from 2000. Seven to about 2013 is when my, 
I guess, involvement was during that era, and that's pitching lessons, that's camps, that's instructional leagues, that's fall baseball, that's uh, coaching at high schools. Um, and so that's, a, that's an area in particular that I, I have a lot of knowledge about, right? Yeah. Um, so this is the first time in about two weeks where my influence it, it, it has been is felt I, I've felt my like I've been able to kind of feel the the movement right so like Manaya, who is like a pitcher for the A's he uh, threw a no hitter last year he's been dealing with shoulders uh, problems this year but I didn't coach him so in 2010 I was at Andrain in 09 he was he came in obviously through my contacts at Andrain you definitely know all about him um, might have met him in passing a few times but. Nothing in particular. Zach Plezak's another one that I never, I never, I'm trying to think of how to put this. I didn't spend an exorbitant amount of time with him. Um, so I didn't coach him on a day-to-day basis for a season or anything like that. He played for my travel baseball team uh, when he was a senior at Apex Baseball. Uh, so got a chance to coach a few games inside the dugout with him, which was really cool. Um, and I gave him pitching lessons because at the time, and I wouldn't say many just to be like completely like transparent. I think I gave him two or three, um, and all of them were about him developing a cutter. Uh, so I didn't really, I didn't really, I knew him for sure. Not enough to say that like I had a, my fingerprints on that kid, you know? Uh, so like being yeah. completely honest, uh, Matt McCaleb from crown point, who's the pitching coach there for a long time. He's got way more. Uh, to do with his maturity and that kind of stuff, and I'm probably I'm, I'm pretty sure if you ask Zach, it'd be it'd be his minor league stuff and college stuff that really brought him to who he is. He was the freshman pitcher of the year at the, in the MAC, so like that's a big deal. But um, awesome kid, super confident, and I think that's one of the things that really stood out for me, like watching him, even as like the limited time I did. Um, super confident kid. Uh, he was willing to kind of throw a ball through a wall. Never was intimidated. Never. It, it was impossible to intimidate that kid. That's one of the things we talked about. I think that's what makes a difference between certain jumping to that next level is the competitiveness. You know? Yeah. Total some guys, bulldog. Some guys have that it. Yep. Where regardless, if you're better than the guy across from you, you're going to go at him like you're the... You're the best player, you know, that you've ever seen, basically. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, you just, like, have that supreme confidence in yourself, and that's what separates good from being great. Yep, and you know what's crazy is the best player ever coached never never really went anywhere, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. The best player I would say I've ever coached and I knew intimately for a long time was Adam Norton. Oh, yeah. I'll go to my grave. Highland guy. Highland guy. I'll I'll go to my grave saying that like that was the best player I've ever seen play baseball, day in day out, hand hands down. I mean, his ability to, uh, from both sides of the ball, right, from a pitching side and a hitting side, could carry your team, every mm-hmm. every single game. If you like, if it got to the point where your back was against the wall, there's nobody you want up more than him. Mm-hmm. There's nobody. One of my favorite moments ever, and I don't even know if I've even talked about it on a podcast, but I think it was. It was, we were in Kokomo, I believe. It was whatever the semi-state was in 2009. And we were playing this team, I think it was Delta. And there was this kid, uh, we, so like at that point of the year, you have hitting charts on everybody. So you know where 
you know, we we've we got we got spray charts from all the coaches that played them. Mm-hmm. We know where these guys their tendencies are to hit. There was this kid that looked like like almost looked identical to a right side of the plate Johnny Damon. And we're sitting there and we're like, all right, well, we'll see. We'll feed him some breaking balls and see what he does. I think he was batting seven or eight at the time. And he just fucking murdered one of Norton's like spinning sliders over the fucking wall in left center. And then it turned into like a 3-3 game at that point. And this, this is one of my favorite parts. It's like a lot of times that would break someone being at that kind of a situation. And... You could visibly see Adam get so fucking pissed on the mound. What I was calling from a pitch sequence didn't even fucking matter at that point. Um, he said, "He said fuck it." He went out there, struck out the next three, said like shut the fucking door on the team. Came in the dugout, threw his mitt as hard as he possibly could <laughs> against the fucking back wall. Said fuck this, right? Like he's just so pissed. He didn't grab a bat and start bashing the Gatorade cooler. <laughs> he he would have. Yeah. He would have. Then he got up. He was he let off the inning, hit a fucking ball off the top wall in center field, and started off with a triple. So it's nice. like that's the kind of that's the way that kid yeah. played, you know. Um, I never I wasn't around Plezak enough intimately to understand that component of him. Um, but really great. Another kid that's on on the verge of making um, the big leagues is Mikey Brasso. Uh, I would say coaching him day in and day out. He was a shortstop for Andrean when I was there. Um, I would say he's a different player than he was. He is now than he was then. Mikey's hitting like 327 with 12 bombs in AAA right now for Tampa Bay. Killing it. He was supposed to be on this podcast about a month ago. And I had a can't, no, no, way more than that. Two months ago. And I'm not, I'm ashamed to say this. And I hope Mikey's listening. But I had to cancel because I got tickets to that Bears game, the double doink. That, double I had, doink. that I had to go to, dude. I couldn't miss the like a playoff Bears game. I couldn't miss it, so like I had to cancel the podcast when Mikey was on. Um, but he's fucking smoking the ball, and he's definitely a different player now than he was then. He's probably fifty to seventy pounds heavier, um, all muscle. Great player in high school, no doubt. Um, but I think he would agree that his probably his ceiling is now. It wasn't yeah. then, you know. Um, and then there's a lot of other kids. Uh, Cody Hosey, like you said, just got drafted in the 25th round or 25th pick of the Dodgers. Uh, I've, now that's a kid in particular. There's three kids from that era that mm-hmm. grew up in our baseball facility. So the other kids that I'm talking about didn't do that, right? So it's him. Uh, he definitely he took base hitting lessons from Eric Blakely for since he was eight. He took pitching lessons from me forever. Um, and uh, Jesse Wilkening, who's also got drafted, he went to Hanover Central. He was around. I didn't give him lessons in particular. A couple catching things randomly, but nothing crazy. Blakely definitely gave him hitting lessons. And um, he ended up, I think, getting drafted by Philly. And I think he's an A-ball somewhere right now. And then Scott Capers is another one that was around all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, so we, have, we have pictures of those three, like, in hitting league teams. And they're all, they're all been drafted, you know, and they're playing right now. And so that's really cool. Um, and so that's really awesome to see. Zach Ryan's in AAA right now. I think he's getting his tits lit a little bit. Um, seems like control's an issue, which was an issue for him in high school. Uh, I'll never forget uh, Coach Pishker. I was, I was at Purdue Northwest as their pitching coach at the time. And he calls me up because he knows I'm like, at the time I was kind of like the catching whisperer. There's a lot of guys for me that like I, I was able to train and get them into like the point to where they needed to be. 
So he was like, hey, just want to, he's like, Alan, he called me randomly. He's like, I need you to come to practices. I need you to start coming to games. Our catcher at the time, our, our, our catching situation is, is crazy, right? It's a, it's, it's a revolving door. And I need someone to kind of come in here and kind of give it some balance. And this is around the 12 or 13 year. So okay. Nick Toby was the, the catcher at the time. It's a great kid, man. I, 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 would root for, I don't know what Nick Toby's doing today. But I would root for him no matter what. He's Shout out to Nick Toby. Nick Toby. <laughs> Great kid. Um, so they, you know, he went out there, did that kind of stuff. And then Zach Ryan was a, the main pitcher of that team. And um, he was throwing 89 to 91 in high school. And that's the other thing about Plezak. When, when I was giving him pitching lessons for that little bit of time, he was 87 to 89. Now he's 97, 97 which is a completely yeah. different I heard game. even since, like, was it last year he was hitting like 94 and now he's up almost three miles an hour? Yeah, and I've heard he even skimmed 98 a few times, which is crazy. Um, so that's awesome for him. But, you know, it was like Zach, Zach would be like this guy who would come in throwing fastballs and then he would just fucking throw a 91-mile-an-hour fastball in the left-handed batter's box. And it's an impossible pitch to block. It really is. It really is. And Pishker would just light up Toby about not being able to block those pitches because Pishker never played catcher. And it's like, dude, you have no idea the skill level it takes to be able to block one of those. You almost have to expect it every time in the left-handed batter's box to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's not fair. So great time to be a region guy in baseball right now. Yeah, there's a lot going on with the baseball side of things here. And, and that's not including the Alexander kids from Crown Point. They're in the they're in the they're in the minor leagues too. Um, Noah Burkholder from Crown Point's in the minor leagues. He's throwing. So we've got we've got a, a 10, 12 kids from that era. Well, like I was saying, for those of the uh, the listeners that don't know, my son's six. Just turned six and he's in the Cal Ripken at Crown Point. And that place is slammed every single day. So, like, I can imagine, like, just, like, the talent that comes up through here. There's so many kids that are going through the program from – and it starts at a young age, you know. And hopefully – I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of competition once my son gets old enough to play, but hopefully he's one of the ones that uh, can make it through. Well, what's weird about Crown Point, and Strayer's, Strayer's a guy that I would consider a friend. I, I love seeing him every time I get a chance to. I know he's been dealing with some health issues lately, so give a shout-out to him, man. He's great. McCaleb's a guy that I really respect and love. He's their pitching coach. Apparently, they have three guys throwing 90s this year. Wow. Three guys, dude. From like, what I've heard, that could be bullshit or I, not. I, like I said, I don't follow baseball. I didn't play baseball. So, like, I know that's not common. Like, just from, like, I have a couple friends that played, like, uh, Division One or, you know, like, college baseball and, like, I have one buddy that talks about it all the time. He's like, I had hit 89 all day long. He's like, I never touched fucking touch 90, dude. He's like, it was like my kryptonite. But uh, that's wild, you know. Well, you know what's funny is during that era, we would always be talking about the glory days of the 90s and two, early 2000s because that's what that's what it was. You know, it's like you had all these kids like Bridges and Kuna and all these kids that were coming up that were just super crazy. And they just never really kind of materialized from like a professional side. However, they would they would do it the other side though, you know, um, from a college perspective or anything else. So, I don't know. You want to try these? I'm good now. Okay, so they would. Uh, 
we, we would always talk about the, like the glory days of those 90s but at the same time now it's like those two thousand, those those late two thousands, man, was maybe the best time period ever to be in region baseball. Well, I think there's a. It's just an era. It's like you can almost compare it to like the NBA. I'm not getting anything, but um, you know, like uh, you think about it, it's like nineties uh, NBA. Okay, so like the like the the grandmama. Well, like you know the Bulls of the '90s versus like now, like the NBA was totally different game. So I think you know it's just everything's evolving. Yeah. Um. So you, I mean, when I was in school, and I'm sure you were in school at the same time I was. Well, we both graduated 2000. Is that right? Well, I was 2001. No but. big deal. So I'm older. Yeah, you are older, old man. Um, it was a year-round thing, but it wasn't like it is now. Like you didn't have like the out of season. Like I feel like watching um, my cousin with lacrosse and like my wife's uh, cousin with basketball and stuff. It's nonstop. Like you're year-round, nonstop. You're going to something. Like and if you're not, you're not going to be one of the guys that's going to be like top. Whatever, you know, you're not going to be starting varsity. If you're not playing all year round, you're not training. And it's like, I don't know if it matters. Like, I played a bunch of different sports. I, you played basketball, baseball, right? Yeah, I played basketball up until about eighth grade. Right, so I, I finished my junior high in basketball and then didn't play in, in high school. And I've heard it doesn't really matter too much, but I feel like it's more specialized now. Like, people are concentrating on one sport, one sport only. They want to play it year-round. They want That's the only thing. Like, you know, they're putting all their chips in one one bag there. Hmm. But it is what it is. I mean, like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So, out of curiosity, I mean, we'll go into a little bit of Local 219 stuff because I don't want um, – to completely ignore it because there's been a lot going on in the behind the scenes. Um, this last Wednesday, if you've been paying any attention, we went to set them up lanes in Griffith. Have you ever been there before? I have not, but last night actually I went to uh, Twincade over in Griffith. Nice. And uh, shout out to Phil and Patricia. Yeah, I was over at Twincade and across the street I saw set them up lanes and it was uh, looked happening over there. You know, like <laughs> it was pretty crowded. Everyone was outside. You know, having a good time. So we're supposed to be in the we're, – we're, we're helping out promote – there's going to be a band there on the 22nd. I will not be in town. I'll be in Boston um, for my, to see my White Sox take on the Red Sox. But oh, Big time, huh? Big time. <laughs> but um, it was, it's a really cool venue if you've never been there before. You definitely need to check that out. This last wing Wednesday, I don't know what it was in particular with those wings, but I was shitting hot fire for 48 straight hours. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you. Like, okay. do you ever get sick of Wing Wednesday? Like, your taste buds, your asshole, like, they ever get wore out or what? That's a great question, Adam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm really t- too concerned about your asshole. But <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that when it first started out, we had the best intentions, right? And that was to go in there. We were going to have fun with it and see what happens. And as time's gone on, um, my digestive system has not caught up with it. So 
Every every single week, barring and I'm talking even the times I'm having one bite, right? Yeah, uh, I am fucked up for at least 24 hours. And and do these places try to like create something just to challenge you, like to try to make it worse, or is this oh, all yeah. stuff that they have? Oh yeah, that is something they normally serve. So so the the wings that set them up lanes were not on the menu. Uh, the week before that was Quaker steak and lube and portage. That is on the menu, but it's a challenge, and it's a challenge because it's fucking crazy hot. I now see that's a different one because we've been doing so many wings. Without a doubt, Mateys is the hottest wing we've ever done. And to show you how crazy that's going to be, <laughs> I'm glad that we're announcing it today. This is fun. So I have this guy who works at 9585. You might know him from that Wing Wednesday video. His name's Chris Underwood. Big guy. He's probably 6'3", 6'5". Loves food. Sounds, sounds like my type of guy. We, <laughs> we started a, a segment called Food Fight, and it's him going and taking down challenges across the region. Right? Awesome. This Monday, we're taping him do the Mateys Challenge. And Mateys is by far 13 million Scovilles per wing. Per wing. He's got to do six, dude. So a Scoville is the measurement for hotness, Heat. right? Of uh, spiciness. Of uh, So to give you an idea, have you watched that Hot Ones YouTube video? No, but like what's a ghost pepper? Do you know how many Scovilles that is? A ghost pepper? Yeah. Um, or like a scotch bonnet. Those are those are supposedly like two of the hottest peppers. Yeah, right? probably somewhere somewhere in the range of forty to sixty thousand Scovilles. And you said one of these wings is how much? Thirteen million. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. I had one bite. Actually, I, I look. I just watched this video a couple days ago because it was the first time where I literally like couldn't believe what we were doing because how hot it was. That was the one. If you're if you if you've been watching those pretty regularly, it's the one where Rosie had her her tongue in the milk, and couldn't take it out. <laughs> and then one of my favorite moments of that video is like she's telling me to put my tongue in the milk, and I'm like, okay. So I put my tongue in the milk, hang out for a minute. She ends up drinking my entire glass of milk. So we essentially made out during that during <laughs> during that segment. It was insane. Okay, so I'm looking here for those that are listening and are curious. A Scotch bonnet is 80,000 to 400,000 Scovilles. And you said it's 13 million for 13 million. And the reason why is because it's uh, pepper spray. So pepper spray, what's inside that is capsaicin extract. And capsaicin extract is exactly what they put in pepper spray. So that's what they spray on every wing. Sounds like a nightmare. It's horrible. (laughs) I don't know how this dude's going to do it. I don't know. I honestly have no idea how he's going to do it. But we're going to film it. We're going to have the video cameras on it and everything. I plan on releasing it around Friday of next week. I mean, I like spicy food, but I'm not. I'm not trying to burn my mouth off. I want to like taste it. It's got to have some flavor. Out of those places you've tried, what would you say uh, as far as flavor and heat goes? Like, what would you be your favorite? Louis Wings and Velpo. Louis Wings, hands down. It was. So the when I when I was it was the one I don't know if you remember this one the one that looked like a baseball. I watched the Louis Wings one. Um, so yes, I know what you're talking about. So for whatever <laughs> reason, eating it during the time for me wasn't that bad. 
Rosie was dying during 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 the video portion of it, and then we we ended the segment. We were good. I we got off air, and then I had another like real wing, not the boneless wing. Mm-hmm. Destroyed me, but for whatever reason, dude, the taste of it made you want to keep going back, keep going back, and it made it's like the flaming hot Cheetos. In a way, it's like yeah. you know you have like you have like fifty of them, and you're like, okay, those are I'm dying right now. But at the end of the day, you're like, you're so good, you keep throwing them in your mouth. That's what that sauce was. It's crazy because like if something has good flavor. Like I was out in uh, when I was working, going out of town every t- every day. We were grilling, we were grilling some chicken. This guy comes down, he's like, oh, I make uh, I made my own salsa. If you want some, you know, it was. I think it was habaneros. I don't. It wasn't supposed to be that hot. And that's not that bad on the Scoville. And. Uh, I'll tell you, this stuff was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like I was, I was done. How long of a nightmare are we talking? So fifteen minutes. What happened is we we grilled some chicken. He brought this salsa down. I was putting the salsa on the chicken, and I'm eating it. And I'm like, oh, this tastes good. It's got some heat to it, you know. Like, but I'm handling it, you know. Like I'm a champ. So I keep eating it, keep eating it, and then all of a sudden. I'm done eating. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go up to my room. I got to get ready for work or whatever. I go up there. My stomach starts burning from the insides. Like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. And, like, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Next thing you know, like you said. <laughs> Pissing out your ass. Ass is tore up. Oh, yeah, dude. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And then I see the dude later. He's like, you like that salsa? And I'm like, yeah, but... I go, I thought it was all good. I kept eating it. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, it's got that creeper. I'm like, what the fuck did you get me, dude? It was bad. Oh, yeah. It was really bad. Oh, yeah. The last time I had mateys, and this is no joke, the last time I had mateys, I couldn't work the rest of the day. I had to go <laughs> home. And then I had to pick up my daughter that day because we were filming them on Tuesdays at that time. I couldn't trust being 10 minutes away from a toilet. And this dude's about to take on six Monday. Oh, man. I'll have to tune into that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we, so like we have like a waiting list for these, uh, these Wing Wednesdays now, which is really cool. There's a lot of restaurants who want to be a part of it. The problem is, is that like every once in a while you get in these like little funnels where you call the first five that want to do it, and you're like, hey, we'd love to do it. And they're like, well, this isn't the best week. We've got a million things going on this week or whatever. So we're in an in-between week, so... It's not going to be me and Rosie doing it Monday. It's going to be Chris taking on the challenge for a Wednesday, for a Wing Wednesday. All right, all right. So it'll be, it'll be pretty fascinating. But I'm really excited about the name Food Fight. Yeah. It's a cool name. So have you, like, looked into other places that have different food challenges around the region? Yeah. So we tried one already that hasn't been released yet. And we took Chris to Big Time Burger and Portage. Um. That was a five-pound burger with two pounds of fries. And, dude, that was fucking crazy. Did he destroy that shit or what? No. <laughs> he got destroyed, dude. That's crazy. Destroyed. Because I used to be... In, my thing was I used to eat fast. Like, I could eat something really fast. And I could eat a lot, too. But I've always wondered how I'd do in some of those food eating no competitions. No but way. a five-pound burger with two pounds of fries is not happening. The only way you could do that is, least, get, is get high as a kite? No, <laughs> even then. Because I think Chris might be at that time. <laughs> e- either way, you have to be a professional eater. 
You have to be. You have to know the fundamentals, dude. You got to know to dip the bread into the fucking water. You got to be doing that shit because there's no way a human being can normally do that. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, how many hot dogs could uh, Joey Chestnut eat? Fucking Kobayashi. A fucking million? Dude, those dudes eat like fucking 80 hot dogs, dude. And like, I don't even know how many minutes it is. What is it? 10, 15 minutes? I don't even know. Here, maybe I can find it. That's crazy. That's crazy shit, though, dude. Like, I can't eat. I don't really like hot dogs anymore, but. So I asked them. When I used to eat hot dogs, dude. Can you imagine eating more than five hot dogs in like 10 minutes? So I asked him before we went on what his, what his expectations were, and this is what he said. Hey, let me put it up all the way. I love his confidence, but oh, hang yeah, on. That's him. That's Chris. Hang on. He lost me, though, right away. When he said the, a little carbonation, that is the wrong plan. Wrong move. Wrong plan. And he knew it right you after he did it. You do not want any carbonation. Those, you know what those guys use? Iced tea. Oh, yeah. You can, how many, how many glasses of iced tea can you drink in a row? I can drink a shitload of iced tea. I can probably drink a gallon of iced tea, all right? Like brisk? Yeah. Like that ice that lifts Dude, I used to down, down that shit <laughs> like it was water. But um, so midway through the challenge, I asked him that. I asked the, the manager this. Ready? Uh, so how do you feel about what he's doing so far? Uh, yeah, he's not really good with the, the, the burger, but I feel he should have probably had uh, a little bit of those fries when they were fresh. House cut fries tend to uh, deteriorate pretty quickly. So that was the that was the head chef saying that you probably should have eaten the fries first. So I'll show you what kind of happened. So this is the scenario that we were in, which is really cool. This is the first time where the restaurant fully stopped when we were there. And so you can kind of see here all the waiting staff, everybody's there watching, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really cool to see, but, dude, he just couldn't. He couldn't, dude. That was too much burger. Dude, five pounds. Too much five burger. pounds of a burger, dude. I've 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 watched a lot of like man versus food and shit like that. Like, and I can eat. Like, don't get me wrong. I can fucking eat. Like, but five pounds, dude. Think about that. That's what twenty fucking quarter pound patties. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Dude, I, I felt so bad for him at the end because he was just so, like, frustrated that he couldn't do it because, like, essentially we got cameras, we got a crowd, and, like, I felt so bad for him because, like, initially he was like, dude, you heard this, you heard his pregame, 20 minutes, he said. Yeah. And then it got to be like, fuck, all right, let's see what he's got, let's see what he's capable of, and he's like, dude, he told me after the fact that he's like, I slept, the second I got in the car, I slept, we got home. And I slept for another three hours. He was like done. That's crazy, dude. And he probably knocked out two and a half pounds. That's it? Yeah. I, I could show you what it looked like. 
Here, let me see. Are you guys going to be posting it? Yeah, so we plan on posting this out. We, You know what the problem is, is that I don't want to make him look like a pussy coming out of the gate. Oh, but you're just going to talk about it right now. <laughs> well, there's a, <laughs> there's a difference between my listeners and the people who watch what we do. Um, I think that like he did an amazing job, but this is what ended up being left. Which is a lot. What is that, everything? <laughs> so this is what it started out as. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Okay, maybe. You can, let me see what this is. You think he's going to do it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Does he have all the fries. All the fries. Yeah. Thanks. You get the right person for the challenge. You can eat it in sheer scope. You can eat it in size, no doubt. So that was that was with the staff before we went on, and so there you can kind of see the size of the burger. He said, though, from this point forward, he can't do the quantity challenges. He's going to only do, only do like, the hot ones. Because that, dude, that was insane. He thought that, like, he'd be able to walk in there and just fucking destroy it. Too bad I can't smoke weed anymore. Because <laughs> I would be like, you yes, would not. I'd dude, be like, sign you me would up. Not. You dude, would not. I could put down some food. Yeah, so ideally... You got to train for that. Like, you're right. You got to train for you that. You got to be a professional. You have to be a professional like you at gotta that s- level. Your stomach's got to be stretched out oh, and yeah, you're ready to just inhale that shit. Everything you do has to be tactical. Yep. On that side. Like, you can't, you can't no, just, like, fucking... No fucking mistakes. No, none, dude. <laughs> none, dude. I mean, that's a real fucking challenge. Yeah. You know? And so, like, it was crazy to watch <laughs> that happen. But I'm, I'm excited to see him try to take on these mateys wings. Because there's no fucking way. There's a reason it's called a fucking challenge. Right. If everyone could do it, it wouldn't be there. If I had more than two bites of these wings, I would have thought about killing myself. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not into the hot, hot shit. Dude, I, I, I couldn't for 45 minutes, I couldn't rebound. 45 minutes. It felt like someone had a chainsaw on my tongue, dude. Chainsaw. And this guy's got, he's going to do six of them in 15 minutes like without drinking water for glass. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's how fucked up it is. And so that was by far the hottest wing we've had. I would say second is probably, dude, those Sheffields, or those, those, uh, the bullpen one. The bullpen one in Cherville. Dude, those were crazy fucking hot. I, I don't know, I don't know what was going on with them. It wasn't Mady's hot just because, like, I was able to rebound, but. That was one of my favorite. I think it might be our number one viewed story on Instagram is the staff eating those wings afterward. I think it was like 4,000 people saw that story. Dude, it was like watching those guys go through it all. Dave Foreman in particular had like a great quote. And it was like, if you like yourself, you'll never do this. Yeah. And because that's what it was, dude. It was like, it was, it was death. It was fucking death. And so that one was brutal. I would say third. Shit, man. Bombers is right up there, but it's not. It's. It, I don't remember it being that bad. Not as in like you know you want to like rip your tongue out of your mouth and throw it off the wall. I'm a big Bombers fan. I love Bombers is great. Those guys were so great. And uh, so maybe I should mention this. Are you ready for this, Adam? Let's go. So we've been doing a lot of events lately. Mm-hmm. And we think we stumbled upon our next one for sure. You ready? 
I'm ready. So, given the success of our wing Wednesdays, we are going to be doing a wing fest. Wing fest. Wing fest. We're inviting everybody who was on the wing Wednesdays. So, that's 22 businesses at this point. They're all going to be providing food. I think we're doing it at Set Em Up Lanes and uh, their, their outdoor patio. Nice. We got craft beer involved. We've got uh, Cal Breweries involved. Um, and so we're really hoping to kind of turn it out a little bit. So we're debating on how to do it. This idea came from Chris Guzman. So if, Chris, you're listening, thank you so much. Um, he's the one who did that Mike Tyson glove up there um, as an artist. He's fucking awesome. Um, Andrain teacher, former Andrain teacher, uh, art teacher. And he's an amazing guy. And, and we started talking about a little bit about how we can start to kind of turn it upside down. And um, we're thinking that we're going to do about a, a four or five hour fest. And during that time, instead of having all the wings served at one time, we're going to do it in four uh, blocks of four. Okay. Right. So, you know, you get the bomber's wings, you get the set them up wings, you get them all. The mateys, the Quaker steaks, and then the next round comes up, and there's the next four. So this is all going to be heat. No, or you no, can no, get no, whatever no. type, uh, whatever uh, sauce or flavor of wings you want. Yeah, so I think a ticket right now is going to get you both, whatever you okay. want. But there's going to be we've been we've been learning as time goes on that eatability isn't a major component to a lot of these wings. So we're going to make sure that eatability is a part of it. Um, so there will be tasty wings on top of it, but there will also okay. be a full phase of just pure heat. Is there going to be a competition? Ah, uh, there should be. I, I don't know if that was in the plans, but uh, a wing eating competition there possibly? Should, there should be, that, that would be... That's that'd a great be cool. call. That'd that's be cool. a great call. Yeah, we definitely need to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so set them up lane supposedly, that backdoor patio. Mm-hmm. That apparently can fit 600 people. All right. I'll take their word for it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try to pack that fucking place. Yeah. And so if you are interested in that event, get out there. Uh, we will be probably releasing tickets soon. Um, probably not that much. We just got to make sure we can cover the wing cost so that mm-hmm. people are getting that. Um, we're going to try to keep it around 20 vendors just to kind of max it out and start small with something. Even though twenty is not small, and just uh, see how it goes. Stay, uh, stay up to date. And wait for that uh, wing eating competition, right? Yeah, dude, that'd be crazy. I didn't <laughs> yeah, even think about would, the that wing would, eating. That would be cool. You know, someone in this area can just hammer. Someone wings. could pound them. You want know what's crazy? <laughs> is, you know, uh, when uh, me and my buddies were in high school, Buffalo Wild Wings was doing twenty five cent wings on what is it Tuesday or oh, Wednesday yeah, like or whatever by by Sherville. Yeah, so yep. uh, we went there one day and me, my buddies, uh, it was two of my good friends Zach and Mike. We we all went there. We did a wing eating competition between the two of them. We got up to 70, 70. We went to their hottest sauce they had between, for one of you or all of everybody. They each had seventy. We went to the hottest sauce they had because we were starting to run out of money. We were high school kids, you know? So we went to the hottest wings, and one of them ate, like, um, three to five of them, and then another one only ate one, and that, that ended the competition. And that's blazing, yeah. right? Blazing. Wild blazing. One I'll of bet those you two. I would be curious to see what blazing is on the Scoville radio right now. Probably not that hot. What is 
amazing. Com- compared to 13 million or whatever it is. On the Scoville meter. From B-dubs. I'd be interested to see. 300,000. So, you ever seen that Hot Ones YouTube video? It's no, like he, no. he eats like 10 hot wings, interviews a celebrity, and they kind of go up and down. No, I have not. So, just to give you, just to give the people at home an idea, I don't think that gets more than 3 million Scovilles. So, we were four times that at Mateys. So, 300,000 is blazing. That's the hottest. I could do that no problem right now. 300,000, no problem. I could do a six pack with ranch and not even fucking blink. I'm, I'm that popular. Like that you confident. said, when you do the wings, you don't do ranch, right? No, no, drink, no, no dips, drinks, no, no dips, ranch. no drinking, nothing. Ranch is a game changer. Oh, yeah, it changes the whole thing. I love it. I love ranch. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's, we do care about, I mean, we do make rules, but at the end of the day, it's, a, it's like a fight or flight thing. It's about survival. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you have to get to the beers and you have to get to like, I, I, I did tell myself one thing last Monday because well, we, we record these on Mondays and we release them on Wednesdays. I'm from now on going to enjoy these mm-hmm. because I'm going to have a couple beers while we're there because I, I swear, man, every time we do them, I get so fucked up the next 48 hours that it's like I don't even I, I try to stay sober to be on camera the entire time and then. Um, I don't want to say anything fucking retarded, you know. That's why I was asking. I was like, dude, you go there, you eat some hot-ass wings. Yeah. Your mouth's fucked up. Horrible. Your ass is going to be fucked up later. Oh, yeah, no fun. And it's like, why do you continue to put yourself through this fucking agony? You know what's crazy is, like, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished here. Mm-hmm. Really proud of it. I think our event coverage is second to none. I think our podcasts are doing better than like what most people are putting out. And then I think that we do a really good job of making relations with the people, with the public for whatever fucking reason, man, I can walk down the street right now and three people are going to be like, I saw your wing Wednesdays. Yeah. I, 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 at the comedy show Friday, which we haven't even talked about yet. I made a joke about it. Like I, Foreman was in the crowd and he's, he's, he does all the event stuff here. And I, I brought him to attention and was like, hey, so what do we got on plan? Can you tell the audience real quick? And he's like, yeah, I think we're going to be doing a wing fest. And I'm like, yeah, so if you guys have been watching our wing Wednesday videos, everyone's like, yeah, we have been. Like, it was like an overwhelming, like, yeah, they have. And then, you know, it's just like, it's crazy to see how many people have watched that. Meetings I'm in, dude, I'm in meetings probably 10 times a week easy. Eight out of the ten are bringing up Wing Wednesdays. They'd love to see you suffer. They, that, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what, that's it, what is. it is, dude. And it's crazy awesome. Yeah. It's crazy awesome. They have that kind of reach. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I think the food fight thing will be pretty big. And uh, Melissa, have you seen any of the Melissa Marshall stuff? What's that? We have a new correspondent named Melissa Marshall. Have you seen any of that stuff? I don't think so. So she's really driven on, like, fashion, um, that component. And, and like, you're not going to be into that. But women are. You know, and, yeah. <laughs> and and so we we were we're giving out a seventy five dollar gift card to Mink right now on the square, which is a which is a real trendy, modern women's fashion boutique store, um, and people are eating it up, dude. It's crazy. I think it's got like two hundred likes and one hundred and fifty shares. Yeah, I mean, Mink. Go check it out. I, I'm, I'm obviously not going to, but <laughs> well, Kristen Laraka, who owns it, I think it's her and her mom. Mm-hmm. 
awesome people, dude. So if anybody deserves that kind of recognition, it's them. They're great. Um, but it's like we've had a lot of these little wins happening lately. Mm-hmm. And you know what's crazy? Those what's the dishes? Have you seen any of those? Yeah, I have watched a few. Of those. Dude, those blow up. Really? Those blow up to the point to where we're gonna. Ta- I'll, I'll I'll talk about it publicly right now. Um, if you've been following us, you know that uh, this summer, uh, one of my trusted people, um, Mike Kristen, AC Slater, he's been back since summer. He's an amazing guy. He interned here last summer. He's incredible. Um, he's probably one of the people that I would say truly get me and I get him. You know, like we both have the same kind of mentality. Um, Andre and grad, baseball champ, state champ, no big deal. Um, but we're going to start doing, we're starting to lay out a design for a cookbook around all the what's the dishes that we're doing with all the local chefs, all their recipes, give them like the, the rock star treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, the design is really cool, and I'm really big into, like, interactive books. So, uh, as you know, I, I went to college for English, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, just books in general. Um, so we're doing, like, this. So you're going you're gonna to spend five hours with this book. Easy. Dude, I love food. It sounds great. Like, I'm all, <laughs> I, like you know me. Like, I talk to you about it all the time. I, I just love to eat. I love uh, trying new things. So yeah. that sounds awesome. It's great, man. And yeah. uh, a lot of the local chefs have been really awesome about like opening it up for us. Mm-hmm. So they're giving us their their recipes, and uh, we're taking like incredible pictures of it. We're hoping to have about twenty five on our first release of chefs locally. We're gonna have a cocktail section too. Oh, uh, even better. Even better. What's, what's better than food? <laughs> food <laughs> and liquor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have we have all that in place. We're hoping to we're hoping to release that in December. Awesome. Right, like probably the week before, um, the week or two before Christmas. Yeah. So that'll be so look be on the lookout for that. That'll be really awesome, and I'll, uh, <laughs> it's been crazy to see the response of that. Are, can you hear? Still? Yeah, I can hear still. Okay, cool. It's a little funny, but I can hear. All right, um, it's all good. So we've been doing all that stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that's going on local two and nine wise. Our comedy show was Friday. That was incredible. Thank you for everybody who came out to that. We had 120 people show up, which is awesome. Um, comedians fucking killed it. So thank you. Big shout out to you guys. Uh, the Team Us Comedy Group in Chicago for putting that on. Incredible. Um, we'll be doing another one. I don't know when. We've been trying to do them quarterly. The summer is really fucking tough in competition. Really tough. And with our Wing Fest, we're hoping to do that at like the end of summer. Mm-hmm. So, so that's going to be something that we want to kind of make sure that we can really promote. But I'm guessing we're going to try to do the next one late summer, early fall. And so to see how that goes, um, trying to think of what else. Oh, we did the Provecho wine dinner. Oh, how was that? Dude, fucking You know awesome. how I feel about Provecho. You love it. <laughs> I love it. Adam, you are a fan of Provecho. We should go there after this. They are they are great. They're awesome, and uh, they were they couldn't have been better for us, man. Chris Pappas, I want to personally publicly thank him for going over and above. We had about uh, fifty people at that. Um, It was sold out, uh, and uh, you know when you're making a ticket at one twenty five, you're never sure what that's going to go lead out to. Yeah, right. You know, um, because it's it's a five-course meal. It's cocktails for everyone. We had a blind 
wine tasting, which is new. No one really does that. So um, it was really a great. That was probably the best thing we've ever done. The blind tasting was excellent. People were it really made it interactive. Mm-hmm. So people were trying the wine. They had to guess where, what, what country it was from, oh, wow. what type it was from. And people were into it, man. It was cool as yeah, shit. I'm not a big wine guy, but I'll tell you what. I'll go there anytime. Their food is unbelievable. The service was great. Like I will vouch for that place all day long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> big know? fan. Yeah. I think that um, being there and doing it, Chris and I have partnered on a couple things behind the scenes mm-hmm. that people don't know of yet. Um, and I don't know how much I can say about that publicly because we just haven't released it. Yeah. I'll tell you behind the scenes, no problem. But yeah. um, it's really cool to see the beginning of those things that we're, we've partnered on start to kind of materialize. And so I think what we're going to try to do now is, while Provecho, and I love those guys so much because a lot of our success is based off of them. Mm-hmm. They let us try the What's the Dish for the first time. Yeah. They let us do this wine dinner for the first time. They did another thing that we haven't released yet, which I can't wait to release. And it's bad Yelp reviews. We've got like 10 restaurants telling us how shitty their customers are. So funny, dude. I cannot <laughs> wait to release that, man. It's so funny. Um, but they, like, so they're like our guinea pig. When we have an idea that we set up with, we're like, hey, Chris, Nick, are you guys cool with us fucking around with this? And they're like, yeah, come on in here. Fucking let's do yeah. it, you know? That's and so awesome. I love it. Um, and so without them, we couldn't have been able to do that. So we're, I think what we're going to do is we had, like I said, 40 to 50 people on the last one. I think what we're going to start doing more of like 10 to 15 mm-hmm. and making it a real VIP experience for people. Okay. So like if you, if you do buy a ticket, say at 125 to 150, I know that sounds expensive. Trust me. But um, we're hoping to like give people like access to the wine cellars of these restaurants. You're going to be going into the, like the basements. You're going to be seeing the kitchens. You're going to be seeing everything. And then you're going to be really able to have a, uh, an interactive experience with the food and the booze, which I think is like something that you just don't get. Yeah. You like, know? Like you say, 125, 150 of that. To me, when I went there, that's well worth it. Like just for the food alone, and then then you're getting the wine experience. Like like I said, I'm not a big wine guy. I know some people are, but uh, you can't go wrong with you can't go wrong with it. Well, one thing I've learned about this area in particular, you put VIP on something, it sells out instantly. It's you, crazy. You want to know what's crazy? Is it? It's not just events and stuff like that. Like. I'm a shoe guy. I like shoes. I follow shoes. Not as much as I used to, but you put a limited release on something. Like we were talking earlier, Dark Lord Day. You know, you got a variant, a variance, whatever. Jack that price up. You know, yep, just yep. like shoes, a limited release. Oh, I got to have those. They're limited. You know, it's all about supply and demand. Everyone knows it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's crazy, man. Put a restriction on it. You know, everyone wants it. I can't wait for one day to take local 219 and take it to like local 773 or 312 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. see the difference. Yeah. Because this, this audience makes you earn it, dude. Mm-hmm. They make you earn this shit. And we've got so much in the works, dude, that it's hard to like really articulate. Um that can really just stretch our exposure so many different ways, but it's crazy. I did one shoot in Chicago, and it was probably about seven months ago, more than that, 
I didn't realize my dad passed away six months ago until today. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. That feels like a month ago, mm-hmm. dude. So, I, like, it was. So it was definitely before that. I want to say it was middle of the fall, and we were we were out there shooting this uh, this Chicago Safaris, which is this awesome tourism group that if you get a chance to ever do like a custom tour for fuck the south shore brew bus fuck all those other ones i'm telling you this dude is awesome shay is a great guy do this he will make sure you have a great time he this dude uh took us to chicago we went there to like five of the most instagrammable places in the city and dude it was one of the best by far the best things we've ever done However, when we were at one of these uh, downtown places, I want to say it was like the third or fourth stop. It's been a long time, so I don't remember what the name of the bar was. It's a trendy spot. But we were there, and I'm not kidding, man. I would I had my DSLR camera, and I was just taking awesome shots, essentially. Mm-hmm. We're walking around. I must have been asked 50 times while we were there where this was going to be. People just being like, where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? I remember you telling me about this, actually, when it, when it was going, right after it happened. I don't remember where we were at, but I remember you mentioning this to me, and like you were telling me, like they kept asking me about, like, where is it going to be? Where yeah, are you dude. Find this? It's crazy. Yeah. And so it's like, if that's the case, because Northwest Indiana is a tough market, man. We, we love authenticity. Yeah. Half the region wants to be called a rat for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> The rat. I bring this shit up every podcast because yeah. I want people to fucking end that as soon as possible. But we get we, we love this like level of just hardcore blue collar mentality that just isn't like anywhere else, and which is great. I'm not shooting at it, but uh, but we can we can definitely not be called rats anymore. I think I, I would I would definitely. What would you prefer, regionites? Uh, just uh, a Northwest Indianian, I think would be cool. All right. I'm from the region. I'll take region. Yeah, I'll take region. The region feels like the Ohio State University. I'm okay with that. From the region. (laughs) The region. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. I don't know why we got to be. I don't know. Assimilated with the worst vermin ever. I don't get that at all. But that's. I guess some people love it. Um, Master Splinter was a rat, all right. Yeah, but in the first Ninja Turtles, he got kidnapped. Remember. (laughs) By the shredder, yeah, and not super shredder. <laughs> I got a question. Of, uh, you might be able to answer this. Why is it in those movies where there's henchmen, the Foot Clan, the Foot Clan in particular? At what point do you, or would you be a Foot Clan member? At what point are you like, you know what? I'm down to be evil. I'm down to fuck shit up. Let's. How much is that you price going to be? What? Like when you watch the original Ninja Turtles movies, like remember, like. The Foot Clan, they went to that, like, secret hideout. They got, like, skateboard ramps and arcade games and shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty cool. So I think that's what it is. They cater to that younger teenage crowd, and they're like, hey, we'll give you video games and skateboards and pizza and shit. So that's you, interesting. So you're if you saying- go fuck some people up for us. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying the Foot Clan didn't know they were evil. They just thought they were having fun. No, I think they knew it. Like, you have to know it, right? You're going, I don't know. You're going maybe, in like, maybe they thought that the turtles were evil. Right? Then they're stupid, right? Yeah, well, either way, they're still there. Having said that, like, mutant turtles in the Foot Clan, like, like 
I'm not gonna lie. If you were like, if you came to me right now and was like, "Hey, there's some fucking mutant turtles out there in my fucking sewer. wrecking shit," I'd be like, "Loving well, pizza." <laughs> I want to fucking take them and, down. And I'm they, a little interested and, in taking them down. And they take their orders from a mutant rat. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call that stuff? The ooze. Yeah, secret of the ooze. So, what makes the Foot Clan different than the diehard like like henchmen, right? Because like that German guy had like a bunch of them. In all diehards, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is there like 50 dudes who are willing to be like, fuck what's right? You know? They gotta be, there's gotta be some kind of incentive, right? Stupid pay, money. Right? Yeah, yeah, money. What, there's a word for that. What's it called? When you pay someone to be a, a warrior or um, a mercenary? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's part of it, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, man. If I if I walk into a room and I'm part of the henchmen, the Foot Clan, and I walk into a room and I see four turtles beating the fuck out of everybody else I know, probably out of there. Right? I'm out. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm out fucking out, out dude. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one leading that fucking charge. I'll tell you that much. Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's kicking from places I've never even seen before. Like I'm out. Yeah. You know. That's funny. I love the Ninja Turtles, man. I used to watch that shit all the time. It's crazy how the young kids now still love him. And then uh, they had, uh, what was it, Casey Jones? Oh, yeah. He's uh, in the first one. Just hitting everyone with hockey sticks. Do you remember shit? the plot of the first Turtles? I barely remember it. Yeah, I remember it a little bit. So it was, how did it start? <sighs> I'm not exactly sure how it started, but then they didn't they go after April at some point? Or, and then they, somehow they April got. April got kidnapped for sure. So and, like I remember Raphael like, was all pissed off. Raphael's always he was the off. one that had the crush on April, right? I think so. And I remember that, them being in April's apartment, mm-hmm. right? And I remember April being kidnapped. And mm-hmm. then I remember like your little your little like headquarters you're talking about. And then I remember like what was supposed to be Bebop and Rocksteady, but wasn't. It was like a turtle no, and some Bebop fucking. Bebop and Rocksteady were in the second one in Secret of the Ooze. They kidnapped Master Splinter, I remember, because Shredder was there. And Shredder was like an Asian actor. Yeah. And he was slapping Splinter in the face and stuff. He was all chained up against that fence. Because <laughs> they had, what was the guy's name? April's boss's son was in the Foot Clan, right? You remember that? Oh shit, no, I don't remember that at yeah, all. Yeah, I think that's so. intense. Yeah, so he, fi- I don't know, man. I'd have to go back and watch the movie. Me too. But then they went to that remote location. Yeah, they went to like a house to yeah, hide out, out right? in the country or something. And that's where Casey, Casey Jones, Jones came in. Well, Casey Jones started fighting Raphael on the in the park. Raphael, what? Or Casey Jones hit him with the hockey stick. Remember? Dude, yeah, yeah. He okay, fought him keep in the going. Par- he keep fought going. him in the park. I, I can't remember the exact, exact like how it went down, but Raphael's out there looking for, I don't know if he was looking for April or Splinter. I can't remember. And somehow he comes across Casey Jones in the park, and Casey Jones starts calling him a tweaker or something. I don't know. But he, I remember he sweeps him with his hockey it's, stick. It's crazy. I remember the word tweaker in particular. <laughs> they start, he starts hitting him with the hockey stick, sweeps him, and I remember him laying on his back, and they start fighting. Then somehow they become friends. <laughs> I don't know. It's wild. Now that you say that, like I, I kind of want to go watch the movie. So how did the first movie end? 
That's crazy. They got Splinter back. I know that. I, yeah. I remember they had to go into that fucking, like, realm yeah. of whatever the fucking foot soldiers were. Yeah. I don't... I and don't, remember there was that one scene where, like, that fucking turtle comes out. That's like a mutant turtle. That's two. I'm telling you, that's Secret of the Ooze. That's and not that's Bebop the one, and Rocksteady, though, bro. Yeah. That's the one, too, where... You got Vanilla Icing and Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Oh, that's two for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's like that Asian kid who was the pizza delivery guy who was like also leading part of the plot. Wow. Right? And then there's... The so the, the second one... I don't remember the third one. You don't even have to like talk about the third one. But the second one... The third one, starts like with like living the nin- in a subway. But it starts shit. with like... They're in the bottom of like a bodega-esque place in New York City. It's like a mini mall. Right, and then the turtles are like there's like a bunch of break-ins going on during that, and I think it's all foot soldiers. Then the turtles come down, fuck it all up, right, and like end their little bullshit. And then like the pizza delivery guy comes into the plot at that point, but then they end up in a lab somehow where the ooze is getting put out. Yeah. What's with these sequels going ooze? By the way, Ghostbusters two, <laughs> Ninja Turtles two, same time period. That's what it was. It was about the ooze, man. The river of ooze underneath New York City for Maybe. both of those? Yeah, ooze, man. Gotta crazy. watch out for the ooze. You gotta watch out for it. It turns you into crazy, apparently. So they get into that, and then... Is ooze like steroids, basically? Yeah, no. I think that's what yeah. it is. <laughs> like, it, you know what? If you were if we were in college right now, I could do a 30-page paper on how ooze represented the steroid era of <laughs> yeah, baseball. exactly. I'd be into that. <laughs> um, but I don't understand. Like, So like the plot of the second one is... That break-in scene in the mall down down below the basement somewhere in somewhere in New York City, the lab. I think the turtles get there late because the mute the, the ooze has already been broken into. Mm-hmm. Then what the fuck happens after? I don't remember anything that happened. I don't remember honestly. I cannot tell you anything about the second one. I remember fast forward to turtle and some other fucking mutant coming out, wanting to fight the turtles. I remember Vanilla Ice. And I remember Shredder dying and punching his fucking fist yeah. through the thing. And then, uh, or is that the end of the first one? Is, is Shredder punching the top of the first one? Dude, Damn. this has been a long time. We're going to get fucking blown up on Twitter for this. Yeah, hope, hopefully like someone can tell us what's going on because I don't remember. And I used to be into it. I had all the movies on VHS. I'm not talking about DVD, guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my audience is, is pretty familiar with VCR. I'd hope so. In my hypothetical mind of where Dude, does is. anyone have a VCR these days? So, so my mom just moved into a new house. She had three VCRs. Three of them. Yeah. I don't have a VCR. I know that. I, I can get one. I mean, I, can I prob- have access to one. I could probably sure. acquire one. But do you want to play a quick game? What's that? Okay, so what is the cost of a VCR? On Amazon right now. Okay. I'll play this game. Okay. $29. Okay. $29? Okay, so... I kind of want to go 24 but I'll, sit, I'll stick with my original... To show you how fucking crazy Walmart is, they have a DVD-VCR combo right now for $599. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not making that up. Dude. As Look, a at VH- that. Look at that. As a VH- the second one in. Five ninety nine. So the VHS VCR DVD combo player 
Used on eBay is fourteen ninety nine. Used. Used. I wonder how much a new one. You probably you probably can't buy just a VHS player anymore, right? Unless it's used. They don't have to be used. There's they no don't way still manufacture. Man, no, there's no. It's way. not like record players. They're not just going to start bringing uh, VCRs back. I'll tell you what, though, dude. A lot of these, a lot of these are starting at thirty-five bucks. I don't think you can get one for less than thirty-five bucks right now. Like, are these all like produced right now? Look at this. Look like, if you have a, like an old VCR from 1999, can you like make some money off? Four hundred and sixty-five bucks for that one. What? Who would pay that? So you can make money off these. Like I, these are yeah. rare. Yeah. I think the move right now is to go to garage sales and pick up every VCR possible. <laughs> possible. Right? Can you believe that? Look how much. Look how expensive those are. Cause like you see like 20, 30 bucks, but a lot of those are like tapes that you can put a tape into. Oh, uh, here's like a Samsung DVD VCR combo for twenty eight ninety eight. That's a good price. So you have you been to Monticello to see Grandma? Because you're in the family, you know what it's um, like. Um, not recently. Do you but, remember uh, all the VHSs they had? Do you remember that? Oh no? yeah, yeah, yeah. Thousands. Yeah. That's how my house used to be back in the day. This is Deals Guy. I don't know if this is like a used one. I don't know either. Free shipping, no tax. Yeah. VHS. Yeah, it's used. That's crazy. Yeah. So is there anything like you, you'd like to add while we wrap up here? Um, no, nah, I think I'm pretty good right now. You know? Hopefully the Bears have a quality... Uh, Season, I like their draft. Um, back on the sports topic, anyway. Uh, the Bulls suck. Uh, Cubs picked up Craig Kimbrough. Big uh, win for them? Yeah. They okay. needed it. A little late, but that's, I mean, this is kind of starting a whole nother conversation, but is it that big of a deal these days that they have to wait till after the draft like to sign a free agent? No, it's just new. It's a new thing. Is that how it's going to be going forward, though? If you're a free agent in baseball, it's the worst place you can be. And the reason why is because guys like Scott Boris and these um, other agents who have been just, like, holding these um, teams hostage for so long, the teams are starting to fight back. That's what you're seeing. Yeah. It's understandable. I mean, do you think uh, it's going to be a trend going Yeah, 100%. Until they fix the free agent rules, it'll be that way. Um, guys like Craig Kimbell in particular is like he's on the downward side of his career and you're going to say he's not but he is I'm not saying he's is or isn't because I honestly haven't watched him that much so his but he's like what 31, 32, 32 years old yeah his velocity is starting to trend the opposite way where it should be um, at least as of last year still um, still a World Series winner last year however I would like to kind of point out Exhibit A that when it came down to clinching the World Series, Craig Kimbrell was not responsible for the last three outs. They brought Chris Sale in to do it, which is okay. I understand that that's Chris Sale, but if you have, like, Mariano Rivera, there's no way anybody's dreaming of bringing in Mike Mussina to close in the last fucking three outs. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Touche. So I think he's on the downward side of his career, and so that didn't help at all. 
He's been throwing for a long time. Um, so I think you've got that component working into it. And then um, the Cubs are a really weird thing because they've, they've kind of hamstrung themselves in so many different deals. I mean, if you look at it from a Cubs perspective, though, like they need a, clo- a closer. Like they don't have anybody. They, they tried yeah. to l- rely on Brandon Morrow. Hasn't been there for basically two years now since they signed him. He pitched, what, like maybe 20 games last yeah. year? And can we please do something? I mean, I'm not a Cub fan, so I have zero emotion in this saying this. But throwing five in a third innings and walking four and striking out three is not a quality start. Can we, so can we please stop sucking you Darvish's dick for doing that? Please? I don't know who's sucking you Darvish's dick. It's <laughs> not me, all right? I swear I turn on Comcast Sports, and it's like, oh, he threw five and a third and three, three fucking walks and yeah, two strikeouts. And they're like, oh, he's a great. He's on the back on the rebounds. Like, if that's the barometer of good pitching at this point. And to his defense, his number, like, his start was maybe, what, five and a third with, like, five strikeouts and three walks? That's That's lame. I mean, don't get me wrong. Zach Plezak in three starts is outperforming him by tenfold. I'm not um, An excited about his outings lately. Yes, he's gotten better than he was, but like that's not saying much. He, he didn't do shit last year, you know what I mean? He sucked. And he started out this year, and he was walking a ton of guys, not making it. But if you can go deeper in the games, and if you can get a win out of him, like... I'm not going to complain. Like, what is he like? Basically, he's like their fifth starter right now. Yeah, he's getting a ton of money and like he's underperforming his con, you know, his contract. But you got to take what you can get out of him. Right? So just take a mental note: the players that Theo Epstein and that regime has signed in free agency have all underperformed. Just take a mental note of that. Not all of them. Yeah, all no. of them. Who hasn't? Who's who's came up big? Jason Hayward's playing half of his contract right now. You Darvish is playing half of his contract it's right now. Two. Yeah, who else have they signed? A bunch Go of the infield. A bunch of little relievers. Wilson Contreras. <laughs> Wilson Contreras, homegrown. Chris Bryant, homegrown. Whatever they got at shortstop, homegrown. Descalso's been all right. First base, homegrown. Um, who else did they get? Uh, Albert Amore Zobrist. Jr. Home- Solid. Not this but year. Zobrist Not is- this year. Not the What's last two years, though, really. Dude? Like, first of all, that was... He's old as fuck. I guess that was the reason they were able to sign Kimbrell. That's what they're saying, because they're saving, like, it's either seven or nine million. Not paying Zobris while he's on the... I don't know what kind of list it is. Ben Zobris is old as fuck. But... Like, crazy old, dude. He's He's already been playing since, like, 2007. He was having a decent year. Like he was a good pickup for them. Hell yeah, for what they and needed. And then the, John Lester was a good pickup. Solid. David Ross for the year One he year. was there. Yep. I th- I would argue that probably Hamels and Quintana have been. Solid. Yeah, Hamels has been. But those were trades. Like if you're right. not, if you're talking right. trades, Arietta was a trade. Yep. He was quality before the run. Arietta was a trade before the run. I think this organization. But without Arietta, they don't have a championship. So far. Up into my like, just I again. I'm not emotional about it. I'm Chapman not a Cubs was fan. A trade. I I think this organization and this upper management in particular really fucking sucks at bringing in the pieces they need to bring in 
to make this a dynasty. That's me. I think they've made a couple mistakes. And by a couple, I don't think... I don't consider Jason Hayward a mistake. They, okay. won a, they won a championship with him in his first year there. So can you? is that a mistake? It's, a, it's only a mistake because it's handcuffed them to be able to make improvements across the field. And the other thing that I don't, I don't completely understand is, and this might be a Joe Madden question more than a Theo question, a Jed Hoyer question, what the fuck is the deal with having every single position player play three different positions? At one point, do you not just let people play the position they're supposed to be playing? I think that is a Joe Madden question. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, Chris Bryant should be playing third. Actually, I'm okay with Chris Bryant playing left field. But then again, at that point, you got to figure out where you're going to put Schwarber, which I'm okay with him being out of the lineup. Get him out of there. Trade him. I'll, you don't I'll need take him. Bodie at third, Javier Baez at short, Addison Russell at second, while Zobris is out or – I'm still fine with Edison Russell. I don't care who's in there. Like, yeah, people will be like, oh, he had the domestic violence and shit. They're still, they still got him on the team. Yeah. Why wouldn't you play him? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get into all the moral, who's wrong, who's right. Like, you know, supposedly he's taking care of his stuff. But Rizzo, and then I'll go with Bryant. I like Almora in center. I think he's a quality player. I think... They got too many players playing out of position, and they, they never gave enough respect to the back end of the bullpen. The fact that Pedro Strope is still on this team after well, four and fucking years. And if you years, look at it, there's the, uh, their starting five, or, you know, their starters, they're all old. Yeah. You got Lester, Hamels. Quintana's probably the youngest one. You got uh, Lester, Hamels, Darvish. Um, Chatwood. Yeah, he's not pitching right now. Oh, Hendricks. Hendricks is probably the youngest one. He's the best. So you got him and Q, basically. Chadwood's actually been pitching a lot better this year than he was last year. Yeah. Because last year I was like, what the fuck? Well, you watch Chadwood throw. It's like a lot like watching Ronaldo Lopez throw. They he's both got a have live good arm. shit. They he's got a got live good arm. Shit. They just can't, they can't focus it up. They can't, they can't throw with any kind of accuracy, so it fucks them. What do they say? He's got a... Uh... Good stuff. Yeah, that's the that's that's the kiss of death. <laughs> so, anything else you want to add before we before nah, we uh, sign off here? I'm good. We avoided the Fair Oaks conversation, which I'm glad we did. Yeah. Uh, just because people are really hot topicing that right now. It is a sensitive subject. Right yeah. Now. Let's just let that breathe for a little while, then we'll come back to that one. Yeah. But Adam, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. The 68th podcast. And so it's been crazy that it's been that many already. The 68th, according to Alan? The 68th. I'm, right. I'm about 100 in now for all the podcasts around. Nice. So um, if you do or what, if you are listening to us, thank you. Um, we do have a couple things. To, so we're going to get a quick summary of what we talked about. We talked about Bulls. We talked about Finals. We talked about uh, Cubs. We talked about Wingfest. We talked about... Your love for Lori Markinen and yeah, we talked a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything, you know. So thank you for listening. There is one more thing I'll throw on your radar. We have a full functioning website now, which we haven't released to the public. So check that oh, out. Oh, stat! It's big and it's fun and it's awesome. So check it out. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Later.